Um, as we continue this series, if you haven't been with us before, um, we're just calling the series In Christ. Uh, that is a phrase that appears, uh, it's used in every chapter of Ephesians, used o- over 30 times in the book. Um, and, and so what we have seen is we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, last time we saw we are adopted into God's family in Christ. We stand blameless before God in Christ. We are accepted by God in Christ. And among other things, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit in Christ. Uh, so actually, uh, that's, that was the first part of chapter 1. Last time, we looked at uh, verses 15 and following uh, of chapter 1. And we saw that the Apostle Paul, he, he prayed some things uh, for the Ephesian believers. Uh, that they would be able to see the truth of who they are in Christ. And so it applies to us as well. Um, man, that we, that we would be able to see the truth of, of who we are in Christ and that we would know God. Uh, and we know that while we can never fully know God, that's part of what makes Him God, uh, there are some things that we can know. Uh, there are ways we can get to know him better. One way we saw last week was through being still. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And I, I believe that there are certain things we won't know of God until we are still. And, and in this fast-paced society, man, that, that should speak to our hearts. Uh, sometimes we know God through oppression. When, when God shows up like never before to fight the battles that we face and to, to rescue us, just like he did uh, for enslaved Israel in Egypt. Exodus 6, 7, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God, God said to them, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. There are certain things about God that we can, can't know unless we are under oppression. Other times we get to know God through his discipline, and, and we probably all have stories of that, probably multiple stories, not likely on the level of Pharaoh, Uh, But our stories, nonetheless, of how God has shown us things about him through correction. Uh, There are a lot of ways that we can get to know God better. The the question is, what are we intentionally doing uh, beyond this hour that we are together uh, each, each and every Sunday uh, to get to know God? Because the Lord knows That if we don't intentionally try to get to know God, Satan will fill our lives with all sorts of other things uh, in in its place. God's Word goes on to list some things that we can know. Verse 18, chapter 1, there is hope with His calling. Now, we talk about it a lot here. We are called to live on mission. And so we could say there is hope with living on mission. Now consider that for a moment. There is hope with living on mission. Think about your career for a moment. I mean, whatever it is, if you really stop and think about it, uh, there's probably not a lot of eternal hope in that. Because most of us are going to get up and uh, do the same thing this week that we've done the last week and probably the last years and possibly the next the, the, the last decades. We get up, we go to the same job, we make the same money, we pay the same bills to buy some things um, that other people, the same things that other people have, and on and on this cycle goes. If it lasts, all this stuff that we work for, it's going to go to somebody else, but in, in reality it probably won't even last, and who knows how long we will. There's really not a lot of hope in that. Where is the hope 
in what we do, the mundane things we do day after day after day, well, it's in the calling of living on mission through each of these moments. Living on mission with the light of the gospel in mind and, and asking God to help us see people as He does and turning conversations towards the things of God and really realizing those, those same conversations that you have every day could impact eternity if a coworker or whoever you come in contact with trusts Jesus through the gospel in your life. That's where biblical hope comes in. That there is so much more to life than this life. There is so much more to life than just the, the mundane, same old, same old thing each day. And that more is an eternity in Christ. That's the hope of the calling. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Uh, I told you last week, I hope that the Cardinals win the World Series. And, and we know last night they are completely out of it. Uh, it, was, it was wishful thinking, but biblical hope is not. Biblical hope is, is sure. Biblical hope is rooted in the hope of God. The God of hope. He makes the mundane magical. He reboots the ruts. He turns the slump into service, the monotony into mission. That's the hope that comes with the calling that we have in Christ. And we saw last week, we have power. The power of God working in our lives. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Our God always goes beyond. He goes beyond the greatest display of power any of us have ever seen. His power is exceedingly great and mighty, described there in chapter 1. The power at work in us is stronger than death. It's stronger than grief. It's stronger than any enemy that comes up against our Jesus, my Jesus, just like we sang today. Do you believe in this power, the power of the preeminent Christ, as he's described there in chapter 1? It means Jesus is first. Jesus is far above and beyond uh, every stronghold, every addiction, every hurt. Jesus is above every sickness and every darkness and every circumstance and every loss. And I believe that part of the reason why God spoke about Jesus like this through Paul is so that we could compare ourselves Uh, through the highest one possible and see how we just don't stack up to Jesus Christ. Uh, There is a popular worldview called humanism. Maybe you're familiar with it. Uh, It's it's, kind of founded by psychologist Carl Rogers, and he says this, uh, in our hearts we are basically good, and our main problem is that we've lost touch with our inner goodness. I actually get that a lot. When I ask people, why should God let you into heaven? A lot of times the answer is, well, because I've been a pretty good person. In our passage today, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it has been called the most important passage in all the Bible. It's been called the most concise presentation of the word of, of the gospel in the entire word. And it addresses this humanistic, well, I'm a pretty good person view. So if you are able, out of respect for the word of God, let's stand as we read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. It's a, it's a beautiful passage, and, and, and many of us may be familiar with it because we've seen it several times, but let's take a closer look. Notice there in verse 1 who he's talking to. And what's the, what's the second word in verse, verse 1 there? And you. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. And then uh, tell yourself, oh, he's talking to me. All right? Okay, so, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so number one on your outline, you were dead. You were dead, it says, in trespasses and sin. Now, in English, we've summed up a lot of words into one word, sin. Words like sins with an S and trespasses and iniquity. They refer to sin, but but they kind of have different, deeper meanings. According to verse 1, you were dead in trespasses and sin. And so you can write this down. A, A trespass is something that we do. A trespass is something that we do. It's, it's more than a mistake. It's, it's an action. But sin here is, is a spiritual condition. So you were dead in, 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 in trespasses and sin. So we're not just sin sick. We are sin dead. We don't need resuscitation. We need resurrection. You can think of our, ourselves spiritually like, like a body in a graveyard. Before Christ, uh, there, there is no spiritual life within us. We, we do not comprehend anything spiritual. We do not eat any spiritual food. We do not even have a desire for it. We do nothing to please God. We are flatlined, no spiritual activity, absolutely no spiritual pulse. This is our human condition We were dead because of our actions, and we were dead because of our condition, the human condition, and it affects every single one of us. We cannot spell sin without I. So in the first sentence, the whole, I'm a pretty good person, it's already starting to lose traction. and We're only getting started. Let's continue in verse 1. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Number two on your outline, 
you were Satan's. You were Satan's. Apostrophe S. Notice that phrase, the prince of the power of the air, there in verse 2. That is the devil. That is the serpent of old, the dragon that we've seen in Revelation, the former worship leader of heaven who thought he was better than God, and so God kicked him out of heaven, and now he walks around seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. That's what killed us. Disobedience. Way back in the garden, God said, don't And they did anyway. And that's when sin entered the world. And this disobedience, it brought death to all of us. This disobedience, it changed the human condition. And a lot of times we like to get pretty mad at at Adam because of for bringing sin into the world. But I can tell you this. If it was me, I would have done the same thing. Because I know how wicked my heart can be. There, there is none righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Sin and death completely envelops every one of our hearts. It's a spiritual condition that we cannot fix on our own. And this is exactly the place that Satan wants to keep us. Dead, disobedient, devoured, and number three, doomed you were doomed let's continue let's read it again and you remember who he's talking to he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Notice that word wrath. Uh, Church, there is no more terrifying thing than the wrath of God. There there is no more terrifying thing than the wrath of God. Of God, that word for wrath, it's uh, actually thymos, and it can describe breathing hard. And so I I picture like a a raging bull with with breath streaming out of his nostrils. Most of us have seen videos of people being attacked by raging bulls and the damage that that does. You don't want any part of that. But the truth is, that is only a tiny fraction of the wrath of God. It's described as a, as a wine press that squeezes out every drop in Revelation 14. His wrath is called fierce in Revelation 16. And in chapter 15, it's the seven bowls of God's wrath that brought earth loathsome sores, turned all the water to blood, scorched men, brought darkness and pain, dried up the Euphrates, which was actually a natural natural border, opening the the path for the armies of the east to come in and invade Jerusalem. And it's his wrath that ultimately shakes the entire earth. There is nothing more terrifying than the wrath of God. And his wrath is for sinners. Every one of us deserves his wrath. 
we were doomed to his wrath. Because God is so holy and we are so sinful, we cannot be in his presence. We deserve his terrifying wrath in our hearts. We are basically good and our main problem is that we've just lost touch with our inner goodness. There could be nothing farther from the truth. We were dead. We were Satan's. We were doomed. Number four, but God. It's been called the largest conjunction ever uttered. It's the hinge that, that swings all of this truth that we've just looked at here this morning of who we are, a different direction. And it takes the focus off of you and me and puts it on the one who it's all about, but God takes us from death to life, from wrath to grace, from Satan to Jesus, from doom to acceptance. What a difference but God makes. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the age to come, the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let all that God has done, just sink in for a moment. Experience the overwhelming weight of but God. Experience the weight lifted through but God. Notice what he shows us. Verse 4, he has shown his rich mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Have you experienced the rich mercy of God? Lamentation 3, 21 through 23. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But God tells us that he has loved us there in verse 4. In verse 5, he has made us alive. Remember, you were dead. And he has made us alive. You were dead. That's, that's past tense. God has made us alive. That is present tense and future. I've heard it said like this. Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. In verse 6, he raised us up. Some translations say he exalted us. And that can take a, a couple of different meanings. It's a picture of baptism. Buried with him unto death and raised to walk in newness of life. A person doesn't rise from the dead and stay in the graveyard. They go and tell people, hey, look, look, I I was dead and now I'm alive. God has given us a seat in the heavenly realm where all those spiritual blessings are, even when we didn't deserve it, even when we don't deserve it. 
even when we couldn't earn it. We were the vilest of beggars, and now he has invited us and given us a seat at the table, and we have barely scratched the surface of what his mercy and love and life really means. Verse 7, he will show his grace and kindness. He will show grace and kindness. Now that speaks of the future. We already know our past from verses 1 through 3. We were dead. We were Satan's. We were doomed. But now we see our present. It is mercy and love and life. And now we see our future. In the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. But God has plans for us, plans to keep us, plans to seal us for all eternity. It was nothing that we did on our own. We didn't earn that salvation, and neither can we learn it. It, Neither can we lose it. It was all Jesus. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, He, that's Jesus, has perfected or made complete forever those who are being sanctified. That word sanctified, it's a, it's a, it's a word we use for the, the lifelong process of being made like Christ. Everything that this wretched sinner needs for an eternity in heaven with God is found in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 8, he's given us faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice the good works come after salvation. And there's good reason why. Because if they came before, we would think we could earn our salvation. But it was all God. Notice that that word workmanship there in verse 10. The Greek word is actually poema, where we get our word for poem. And so it refers to something that God in His divine power is craftily working carefully in your life. God has started writing a poem in your life, composing your life into a beautiful song that glorifies Him. Christianity is not about you doing anything for God, but, uh, but you letting Christ do everything through you. God does all the work in you. He's the one who started the whole process. And what He started, He has, will take responsibility to finish. You were dead. You were Satan's. You were doomed. Friend, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, that's where you are still. Listen to the weight. Understand the weight of but God. He shows mercy. He made us alive. He raised us. He will show kindness and grace. He gives faith when we are in Christ. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Listen to this passage again after hearing all of it, all that it means. And you, 
He made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What does this passage mean to you? During this time of invitation, maybe you just need to, to worship God for what he's done, how he has changed completely everything. Our God is worthy. We probably don't dwell on all he's done for us enough. But friend, if you're here and you would look on your life and you would say, you know what, I don't, I don't know where I would go if I, if I died right now. If I died tonight, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. And, and the reality is, you're dead. And Satan has you. And you're doomed for the wrath of God. The invitation is to be in Christ. It's as simple as admitting that you are a sinner. With a willingness to turn from your sins, turning to Jesus. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the one and only Son of God who can save you from your sins and then confess him as Lord of your life. If you've never made that decision, today can be the day of salvation. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. The altar is, is open. We realize that um, on any given Sunday, man, we, we can walk in with all sorts of burdens. Maybe you just need to come and pray, and that's okay. This is a safe place to do that. But you allow God to, to move in your heart we go into this time of invitation. Lord, we invite you to come. We thank you for the reality, the truth of being in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?